Welcome to Arrow Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neill. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? Uh, I'm not too bad, thanks. I think I've finally recovered from the GP. Hey. And I was very tired. Yeah. Um, work is very stressful, <laughs> obviously. Um, yes, but I've got, I've got nothing interesting to report, particularly until we... Uh, Decide to discuss the GP, I suppose. Sweet, cool. Yeah, how, how have you been? Uh, I've been, like, horrendously ill. I think I've managed mm. to pick up a, a lovely case of GP flu. <laughs> it's like, it is real, it is real. Uh, uh, I guess the reason for the, for the no-show last week was, like, I was just, just laid up in bed pretty much all week. <laughs> yeah, still, just... like, ill. Uh, just, like, couldn't get a sentence out of that coughing. Yeah, like trying to organise when we're going to record and then it's eventually just like, I really can't do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. I think we're allowed to take a, a week off here and there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to listen to just an hour of you coughing, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I know I, know I certainly don't. <laughs> Wait, you listen to our podcast? <laughs> yeah, every single week, like clockwork. Really? Yeah. Is it any good? Uh, I mean... I've certainly heard worse. I mean, that's a ringing endorsement from one of our own hosts, I suppose. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I've heard worse podcast than the podcast I'm literally on. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it kind of feels a bit of a shame to kind of slow down that momentum by taking a week off, especially after after the GP, which was awesome, and obviously there's lots to talk about from that. But there was, mm-hmm. yeah, no way I was I was able to do a show last week. Yeah, and no one wants to hear me do one by myself because uh, I'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> No comment. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Cool. So I think we've got quite a lot to speak about this week. Yeah, for sure. Have you managed to play any Magic this week? Um, I played some Commander on Friday. Sweet. Does that count as playing Magic? I mean, it's more than I've played. I've, I've done pretty much uh, nothing as far as tabletop Magic goes. But Arena, I, mean, I have played a little bit. Well, that is the uh, the premier and most supported form of Magic these days. So It is, yeah. More on that later, I guess. Yeah, some uh, some foreshadowing. Mm. Yeah, I uh, built a new commander deck. I played it. It was good fun. That's about it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but I, I managed to go the whole GP without playing any, any commander, so I'm quite quite pleased with myself there. <laughs> no one paid you a hundred dollars. No, nobody paid me a hundred dollars. Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't such, know whether that's such like a, a sweet deal. Yeah, I don't know whether that's a win or a loss, really. Um, I mean, I think you would have hated any any time you'd spent playing Commander, regardless of how much you got paid. So, yeah, quite probably. But then, yeah, I mean, hundred dollars is a hundred dollars, isn't it? That is true. Um, but yeah, I like did play a lot of Magic at the GP. So yeah, like, I think that counts as enough for for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. GP was great. Like, mm. I I feel like I didn't play that much Magic. Like. I think at least like as much as like I, I could have done, or like some people I, I know uh, who went and played, but I, mm. it was just so much fun just to be in that atmosphere, just to like just see everything and experience it all and take it all in. Like GPs are just absolutely fantastic. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, on that point, every every time I go to a GP, um, I'll like play a bit of magic, like do some side events, and mainly like go for trading and just like talking to people. Yeah. And then whoever I'm with is always. Uh, 
always seems to be leaving the G- GP hall with like an armful of booster boxes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like they've just been like, oh, so you've played a lot of Magic, <laughs> and sounds like they've like made loads of money because they've got like five booster boxes. Yeah. And, um, but I never do that. I just uh, come back a lot poorer with cards I don't need. So <laughs> yeah, like traveling back, like one of the the guys I was traveling back with had like a case of boxes, yeah. and I was like, well. I uh, <laughs> uh, did some UMA drafts. I sold the cards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the I cards that I opened so I could go infinite on drafts, and then did some Legacy Turbo Town when I should have done a Lexi event. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, that was that was. I think that was the the main thing that I did of the uh, the GP weekend was um, just play UMA. Yeah. After I said on on this show that I probably wouldn't do much, uh, drafted three times in two days. So. <laughs> Yeah, what was your your thoughts on the draft format for that? So I played blue red spells all three times. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, because it was just open and uh, that that particular art club is is really good fun. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed my playing experience. But I've heard from other people that it it's less good. So yeah. I'm not sure whether it was just sort of my um, personal experience playing the deck I did that made me enjoy it. But I had a good time despite opening no value whatsoever yeah I, I think it's a bit of a strange one like I think it's I think there are there seem to be opportunities for some really fun and some you know fairly interesting decks but I, I do feel like that there is like clearly like one best strategy for the, the format and like if you can just mm-hmm. if you can just draft like a bogle or two and stick some pants on it like you're, you're kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean that's the uh that's the thing, right? Like, I think the main thing coming away from, from drafting UMA is that Phalanx Leader is busted. Yeah, oh, absolutely. There is so many games where I was, like, at least, I don't know, 80% to win, just because yeah. of the way, the way that I'd, I'd scored the game with, with all my... Because I was playing, like, a blue-red tempo deck um, and just playing some, some good magic for once. Um, and then my opponent just went Phalanx Leader into cast this spell targeting Phalanx Leader. <laughs> and I just, like, lose the game on the spot. Yeah. Because that card is incredibly powerful. Oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think like the sort of the hexproof, the Boggles deck is um, one of the best in the format. I mean, it's fun. I, I, I mainly kept. So I, I drafted it once because I was like, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be upset with myself if I don't draft it at least once, yeah. right? Um, and then I opened no value, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna draft again because I'm, I'm, I'm probably gonna get something. And then I didn't get any value from that one. Uh, actually, no, you, you passed me a foil kitchen things, yeah, <laughs> which I then took to a vendor and they offered me two pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so I kept hold of that one, um, and then I did a third draft. I was like, I'm owed something, right? Yeah, and, and then I opened an Emrakul, which I sold for twelve pounds. <laughs> definitely didn't cover the cost of drafts. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a pretty good deal, though, to be honest, given the way the the prices are going at the moment. I mean, I, I immediately sold it. Yeah, because I'm an idiot. I think that was one of the uh, one of the things that became very apparent uh, this weekend <laughs> is that uh, one of us on this podcast is uh, quite good at magic finance and one of us is definitely definitely not <laughs> I, th- I think one of us just ca- i think one of us just cares more than the other <laughs> yeah so i mean i just don't care yeah <laughs> I, I put some cards on the table and a man was like i'll give you this amount of money and i was like oh cool that's more money than i, w- I had literally 10 seconds ago sure <laughs> and then i go back to my box like where are all these cards <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's like more. well if you just said hmm i'll think about it and gone to the man next door that man would have given you you know considerably more money yeah that you know that takes time and effort and uh yeah. i felt too polite to say no 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I made, I made some I made some decisions. Yeah, for sure. I, I think oh, I think I certainly did as well. It was uh, <laughs> it, it yeah. was fun. I, I I didn't didn't quite get any of the cards that I was really looking for. I think some of the some of the vendor prices were still a little bit too inflated. Some of the, the mm-hmm. buyers prices were a bit poor. But I guess I guess the sort of the real focus is kind of on like UMA right now, and it's that time coming up to Christmas. So I, I understand. I don't really understand why the prices kind of were the way they are, but I think the sort of one or two cards that I had kind of really hoped to, to pick up that weekend, I think given the current trends of prices, I can't imagine having a difficult time picking them up in, in London in April. Yeah, sure. I mean, I definitely picked up uh, something that I was interested in picking up. Yeah, uh, what was so, that? I mean... Uh, it's going to be my card of the week if you want to uh, very gracefully transition to that <laughs> that segment of the show. Yeah, nice smooth segue. Sure. So um, my card of the week this week is, is Gaia's Cradle. Nice. Because I finally own one again. Hey. <laughs> um, so it was sort of what I was um, looking to pick up at the GP. Yeah. Just like my one sort of card. I had some other cards like, oh, if, if I have enough sort of trade value left over, I can I can pick up like some ridiculous Japanese cards that yeah. I want for no reason or like some foils for commander decks. Um, but then I went the whole weekend and was just like, no, these are too expensive. Like I, I didn't, um, have enough cards to turn into the money for a guy's going particularly. Yeah. Well, I did, but um, that would have involved not doing anything else for the weekend and <laughs> not entering side events and not drafting. So it seemed like, um, bad value. Yeah, sure. Um, and then on the Sunday, just after we'd, we'd parted ways, um, I was traveling back by myself and I sat in my car and was like, no, nah, I mean, one of the vendors had a very, very good deal on a guy's cradle. And this was about 7 p.m. And I thought, okay, okay. <laughs> maybe if I get rid of all my modern cards, because modern is terrible, Agreed. Um, I can fund a guy's cradle. So I picked one up from... Uh, JK Entertainment. Yeah. For uh it was one sixty. And it was a Japanese copy, which obviously I value a lot more than <laughs> um an English copy. Yeah. And I thought that was a very a good lot deal. More than vendors do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um but I thought that was a really good deal. It's really good condition as well. Yeah, yeah. Um so I sold my I sold most of my modern cards. I sold my collector companies, which feels wrong. But I'm not gonna play them. I mean it it's like any Magic Finance thing really like they're they're not going to reprint Gaia's Cradle ever. They will reprint Collected Company. Like if if you if you're patient enough, you can just pick them up again at a price that you know you're going to be happy with. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I also sold one of my Savannas. <clears throat> so I now only own three Savannas. Yeah. But in all the like Maverick lists, you only play three Savannas, so it's fine. Sure. Still have I now? Well, I now actually have like a, a functioning proper Maverick list. Yeah, definitely. Because they all play cards. Yeah, I think like it's probably a fair trade. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, you got rid of a Savannah, but you have gained a Gaia's Cradle. Uh, I think. I mean, I guess we're MTG Finance podcast all of a sudden now, but uh, oh yeah, yeah, I think like obviously in in the long run, like a Savannah is far more desirable than a Gaia's Cradle. Mm-hmm. Not uh, my Savannah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. 
good card because uh, I was like, because that was the thing going into the weekend. I was like, oh, maybe maybe I can just you know ship this for this and get like put in a little bit of you know, a, a few other cards and, and pretty much one for one trade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's a ridiculous thing to think. Yeah, um, but yeah, I did. I, I sat down. So at this point, I'd like run back because it was like seven pm and the GP hall was like all the traders were closing down. So I like literally ran from the car park um, to the GP hall and was like sweating profusely as I'm known to do um, and sat across from this guy and laid out four savannas and was like, would you like to buy one of these? And he valued them all at, uh, one was at 45, two were at 55 and one was at 65. I mean, I'd buy them at that price. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I was like, would you like to take the 65 one? He was like, I'd much rather buy the cheaper one. I was like, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then turned out that the cheap, the cheapest one just had a massive crease down the back of it. Yeah. Nice. Like a really bad shuffle crease. Yeah. It's a lot worse condition than it because the, the front looks fine, but down the back it looks awful. Yeah, um, and it's clearly like a lot less valuable than I thought it was. So I'm not actually that annoyed by getting rid of it. Yeah, for sure. I think I'll get over it. <clears throat> but I own a Guy's Cradle again. Yeah, finally, and I'm very happy about, it. and it's Japanese, <laughs> which I'm, I'm very very happy about. So yeah, that's that's my card of the week because uh, I own a Guy's Cradle Sweet. and I keep looking at it because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really really nice. Yeah, it's like. I think I think that's a, it's a pretty good trade in, in in hindsight, really. Like, you were trying to convince me not to do it. <laughs> yeah, because like, just all, I, I think I guess I just always think about like the long term and like Savannah's worth more than a guy's cradle in the long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, I did not see the big shuffle crease on the back of your Savannah though. It was very bad, dude. I had no idea. I don't know. I don't know because I I've got them from uh, I got my playset from like three different places. Yeah. I don't, remember, I don't know where that one was from in particular, but I don't remember it being that bad. Maybe I've just like shuffled the crap out of my deck. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, someone did turn turn down my uh, my Thalias earlier in the weekend because they were too bendy. Yeah. Oh, so maybe I should uh, <laughs> uh, like sort of chill out on the, the riffle shuffling. But maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Cool. What's so? Uh, well, now that I've, I've stopped rambling about uh, cards I now own, what's your, what's your uh, card of the week? Uh, so my card of the week is. Um, hmm. Slightly, slightly different. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little bit greedy, I guess, and go for two if that's fine. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Or maybe, even, maybe even it's technically three. So oh, okay, that's, no, 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 that's that's taking the mic now. You can't do that. It's <laughs> far too much. So speaking of, of, of legacy, the uh, the GP, mm-hmm. uh, I I ended up playing my my really fun um, paradoxical outcome monastery mentor deck. Uh, mm-hmm. just, I brought it with me just on the off chance that I might jam a game of Legacy or two, yeah. Kind of like in some downtime or like on an evening or whatever. Like I hadn't really planned on entering any Legacy events, mm-hmm. uh, and then I played a Turbo Town. Yep. And won my first Turbo Town and was like, okay, sweet. And then played another Turbo Town and it was really really fun. And I was like, hmm. Like I lost that one. I lost that one one two, but it was like well. This is this is probably the most fun I've had all weekend up to this point. This is on like Saturday. I'm like, mm, this this is a lot of fun. I really wish I'd kind of been playing a legacy event now. Yeah. So Sunday we're like, well, we'll sign up for a legacy event. We'll play some legacy. It's going to be sweet. Uh, but obviously, I just brought my main deck. Didn't bring a sideboard. Didn't figure out. <laughs> <laughs> hadn't obviously, really planned yeah. to play it. So we mm-hmm. kind of scrabbled together like between my collection and your collection, like 15 cards that I could stick in a sideboard. 
yeah, 15 legacy legal cards. They, they were not what you should definitely be playing in that sideboard if uh, if you were playing in a tournament. For sure. So, yeah, like one of them is, is an alpha blue elemental blast that I had to ask a judge <laughs> if, I could, <laughs> if I was allowed to play. Sick rags. <laughs> Which I was, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, another two of those 15 cards were uh, Silence. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, another two of those cards is uh, one of my cards of the week this week, which I think it's probably just bad but mm-hmm. I I feel like I at least in that deck like I have a case for playing it so my card of the week is failure to comply sure and uh, why were you why were you playing that card in your sideboard other than you just had it on you <laughs> uh, I mean it was it, like, I mean the majority of the reason was because it's in blue and white and I had yep. that card on me mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it was pretty interesting card i think like so in this particular deck like you kind of just want to combo off as fast as fast as possible or as clearly clearly as you can with with as little disruption as possible Mm -hmm. i quite like the idea of comply like being able to uh to go like turn one or cast comply like you can't cast let's say like i don't know like force of will or something Mm -hmm. um or like it's like uh, let's say uh, for example like the infect opponent I played against yeah like if I go comply and I say like I don't know like noble hierarch or whatever yeah uh, that kind of takes them off a turn which is pretty cool I would like to say uh, briefly speaking of that infect um, infect opponent yes. <clears throat> I've never seen as much joy on someone's face <laughs> as when you snapped off the turn one silence you in your upkeep <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so, so that you couldn't do anything, just like played Link Moth Nexus and passed the turn back, and you look so chuffed to yourself. As yeah, well. <laughs> it was great. I, it was, <laughs> uh, that was that was one of the most fun plays I did all weekend. Yeah, great. I'm not even sure if it was like particularly correct or good, but it was it was so fun to watch. Yeah, same. Like, uh, uh, silence you. <laughs> what? Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but obviously, I think like the comply side, like you can do things like that, which is cool. Uh, it's also just like a one mana spell, so that's great. That triggers prowess and generates a monk awesome yep uh then i think the failure side of it is is pretty interesting um because you can do things like obviously it's blue so it pitches to force a will Uh, but then one Mm. of the the biggest problems i found over the weekend was uh running into abrupt decay Mm -hmm. count as abrupt decay well doesn't really count abrupt decay but it deals with abrupt decay nicely yes it's uh, for those who don't know, because like I don't think anybody's ever ever played it apart from myself. Maybe uh, <laughs> I think some people playing it in standard briefly, maybe a maybe, bit. Maybe, maybe I mean I played Certainly blue white approach, and I wasn't playing it in that. Sure, maybe you should have been. Yeah, maybe probably. it's really really good. Probably. It's taken us for it to this long for it to rotate out and just realize how good it is. Yeah, that's it. I I, I feel that's kind of how I feel about it. Like I feel like this is the card that I want to break in legacy. So for okay. those that don't know failure, uh, it's a one and blue for an instant return target spell to its owner's hand. Mm-hmm. So obviously you can't counter counter erupt decay, but you can return it to the hand. Uh, it kind of feels like it, it could be quite good against force of will as well. Like if they go to force one of your things and you just return the force back to their hand, mm-hmm. then they're down a card. Um, and yeah, like you can even just, just do things with like your own spells as well. Because you want to you want to cast as many spells as possible in, the, in that deck. So even something like, I'll cast a Mox Opal and then I'll failure the Mox Opal, try and turn it to my hand, and yep. then play the Mox Opal again. And there's like three Oof. monks. 
combo. Yeah, I think it's like it's it's very niche, and like if if any deck is going to run it, like it's definitely going to be this deck. And I mean, Spellquell is probably just better in the end. Yeah, I think I think we had that discussion uh, over the weekend, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But uh, yeah, I think the failure comply is. It's definitely a card that I'm interested in, and I'm gonna gonna play around with it more in Legacy. Mm-hmm. I feel like well, it's right. a missed so, opportunity. Yeah, you, I mean, you're playing a, a non a non deck in Legacy. Oh yeah, for sure. So, so it's reasonable that you uh, play non cards in your sideboard. Yeah. <laughs> so, such a silence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's definitely not a card you should play in any kind of constructive format or limited format, actually. But um, yeah, that's great. I need to like sort out my my Legacy Lantern list again because I, I played. Played Silence and Legacy Lantern because you can like put it on an Isochron Scepter. Ooh. And then just lock your opponent out. It's pretty fun. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Seems like value. So that is that's my I guess my my one of my cards of the week. Uh then the other one is a pretty exciting card that we've had spoiled today. Mm-hmm. So that is Lavinia Azorius Renegade. Yep. It's a new card from Ravnica Allegiance. Is it in the very next set? Which I'm very excited about now. After we've we've seen like maybe six cards from the set, we'll go into. Really really excited. Uh, we've got Lavinia Azorius Renegade. She's a white blue for a legendary creature, human soldier. Uh, it's two two, and it says each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. And whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think this is a pretty interesting card. Absolutely, I think there's um there's certain. So when I first looked at it, I thought it was crap. <laughs> if I'm being, I looked at it, I was like, that's not. There's no way this can be good. And then uh, I so I, this isn't for standard, right? I think we can. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Categorically, I mean, it's it, interesting to know it shuts off omniscience. Yeah. So if that was ever going to be, if Alian Trazi was going to make that kind of nonsense deck, which is something he would definitely do. Yeah. Stops that being a thing. Right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> not, not that's ever going to be relevant. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a lot of um, applications in the turtle formats. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think so. I think like... Um, I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So I've just like a, a small sort of list off the top of my head of cards that it, it stops. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Moxon. Yes. Whether that be uh, Power Nine or of the Opal variety yeah. or Chrome, I suppose, if you're playing Legacy. Or Diamond. Um, uh, Black Lotus. Yep. Uh, cascade spells. Yes. Because you're not paying mana, uh, mana for the spells you cascade into. Uh, basically, Tron's non creature payoffs. Yes. Because you're tapping three lands to pay for seven mana's worth of uh, a spell. Yep. Uh, Force of Will, because you're paying zero mana for it. Yep. Uh, ancestral vision or like just suspend cards in general yeah so rift bolt or anything like that uh living end it's important because living end is a big part of the matter um i guess like sort of uh just any kind of ramp to into non-creature spells so if you're yeah. playing like mana dorks um or, or like anything like that if you're playing mox o- uh, mox opal and you're casting a three mana spell when you have two lands um guy's cradle yeah obviously um miracles yeah Dread Return. Yep. And uh, cards with flashback that don't have mana, so like Conflagrate in modern. Yeah. Stops you casting that with flashback, which I think is very important, especially if you're playing like a deck that's playing creatures like Lavinia and uh, Cabal Therapy and Legacy. Yep. Stops all that stuff. So there's there's like there is a long list of things that it prevents, and all of those cards are like 
at least fringe playable in formats. So it's not like it's just, oh, it shuts off these cards that don't matter. Like, a lot of these cards are um, very important in formats. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, there's, I mean, there's loads more than that, even, like, like mm-hmm. I think, like, Hollow One is a big one for me. Does it shut off Hollow One? Yeah, when an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. Is it not a non-creature spell? No, no, just cast a spell. Oh, really? Yeah, so non-creature is the first bit. Each opponent can't cast non-creature spells or convert mana cost greater. <laughs> but then whenever opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. Well, I misread that. Yeah, so if you're doing some like nonsense of like Bazaar, Baghdad, and Vintage, and <laughs> normally you'd be able to cast like three hollow ones, it's like, well, no, now you can't. That's pretty sick. I mean, that's also relevant in modern. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Everyone's favourite format. Yeah. Uh, it <laughs> so, yeah, okay. should have any kind of shenanigans with as we're told. Like again, like it's it's still a fringe playable deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, I mean, yeah, even stuff like uh, like Trinosphere of a uh, Mishra's Workshop. Yes, I mean, yeah, it just I mean shuts down pretty much all of shops, right? Uh, no, because they play a lot of creatures. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose there's also um, Soul Lands like Ancient Tomb and uh, City of Traitors. Yeah, for sure. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I guess like it's not it's not a hard answer to these things obviously but if if like normally you're trying to cast a two mana spell on turn one right yeah and I, like in those formats you're able to um, power out Lavinia I guess yeah for sure it's certainly an interesting card I think the most interesting thing about it is definitely the creature type right yeah like, I think the so the fact yeah. that it's a human yeah it's, it's going to be very important yeah um, and I think that's why I'm, I'm not sure this is particularly playable in modern like obviously like there are a lot of applications there are a lot of reasons why it could be playable yeah um, but whether that actually happens in practice or not is um, is a different story, but I think the fact that it's a human is probably very important for the modern human stack. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, like, like obviously th- there's always a card in every set pretty much now where it'll get previewed and then it'll be like, oh, well, this card is great against Tron. Uh, I mean, the card never is, but it, I, I feel like... <laughs> At this point, now we have now we have the human card against Tron. Like, I feel like every single deck in modern has like a a Tron killer available to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many hashtag Tron killers have we had in like the last eighteen months that have just done nothing? Oh, at least as many as sets that have been in the, in the last eighteen months. Yeah, right. So we got like Damping Sphere, we have Blood Sun, which was not a thing. Yeah. Alpine Moon, which was not a thing. Uh, I mean, Damping Sphere, kind of. the the Goblin that. Kills colorless creatures, whatever. That card's really good in Legacy. Yeah. Just as a, as a side note. Yeah. Goblin Crater Maker. Yeah, yeah that's card's really one, good. Yeah. Uh, not very good against Tron, though. No. Certainly not um, a Tron killer. Yeah. So we always have these cards. Maybe this one's different, but I don't think so because, I mean, it essentially shuts off Khan, Ugin, and Oblivion Stone. Yeah, Oblivion Stone, uh, All is Dust. Oh, yeah, All is Dust is a fair point. Yeah. But I think, like, like even if it, if it was the case, um, where it does see some play, and it's something that Tron decks have to be you know, worried about. Then surely, like they're just playing Worm Coil Engine anyway, and they can have like an Eldrazi Tron sidewall package. So mm-hmm. just take out like I mean, yeah, maybe just take out your Cons and Ugins for like Thornut Seers and Worm Coil Engines and Walking Blisters. And yeah. you're still gonna get the job done, like. Yeah, Walking Blisters is fine. Like maybe you transition back into like uh, green white or green black for your like made out removal spells, yeah. um, and then that card just isn't a problem because you just path or push it, and then you just get to carry on with your nonsense. Yeah, for sure. 
so yeah, I don't think this card's a, a drawn killer. I mean, that's part of it. I, I imagine that's probably part of the design. Um, but I don't think it's going to have a great effect on the on the deck. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think uh, I think that's kind of like was was definitely the intention of a, of the design. You know, giving that effect to a human, so you can you can you know, you can vial it in, you can cast it and make it uncounterable. And when it comes in, it'll trigger your, your Thalia's lieutenant. And mm-hmm. It it fits into that deck nicely, but I just don't think it will be that impactful on on games yeah i agree i mean we've but i think i think we that this conversation is had pretty much any time any card for humans is printed yeah sure so oh, this, this this card is probably okay but probably isn't good enough and then people test it and then it's actually just fine it just makes its way to sideboards yeah um like knight of autumn yeah for sure it's not being played being played in the human sideboards despite not being a human and being more difficult to cast than reclamation sage yeah. so like it just happens people yeah, just play the sure. card yeah, I think I think that with this card in particular, like I think the format where it's going to make the most difference is, is vintage, like hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like definitely. It just it just fits into the sideboard, if not even like the main board of like Jeskai Xerox. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's it's probably just sideboardable in any of the PO Mentor decks as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, being blue white is definitely um, a big swing in the fa- in favor of that card. Yeah, it's, it's definitely where you want to be. Because uh, yeah, like it, sh- it shuts down. It just shuts down so many things. Like, um, obviously, all your moxen, and then even like time walk and time twister. Because mm-hmm. like yeah. most, yeah, most like like you, if you, let's say your opponent plays that turn one, passes the turn, and then you yeah you've got like a time walk in hand. It's like well, I can play one land this turn, so I'm not gonna <laughs> I can't time walk, or else I'll just get counted. Yeah, exactly. Like playing that card on turn one seems incredibly, yeah, really important. I think it's probably stronger on the play than it is on the draw, but yeah, it's still probably sure. very, very good. It's it's like it's it's obviously really good against like survival as well. It shuts off like hold one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baskin Rootwaller gets rid of that as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, I mean that is true. Yeah, it's it's decent. It's decent. I I'm excited to see how it how it affects vintage more than anything. To be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess I'll keep an eye on modern. I guess that's, that's my job. My job in the podcast. Sure, sure. Um, so, should we look at some more of the other uh, Ravnica Allegiance cards that have been previewed today? Absolutely. Awesome. Some interesting ones. Yeah. Let's start with. Uh, it's a reprint. It's one that I am really excited for. Like, I probably won't end up playing the card at all in standard, um, mm-hmm. but it's just a good card, and it's really cool to see powerful playable cards once again mm-hmm. uh, so the first up we've got Mortify yeah that's a sweet reprint. yeah one white black for an instant destroy target creature or enchantment yep it's a historically powerful card yep nice and simple uh, it, I mean it, destroying target creature for three mana and instant speed it's great absolutely fantastic hits mm-hmm. enchantments as well so it obviously deals with like Ixalan's Binding uh, Conclave Tribunal uh, experimental frenzy as well gets rid of that. Search for its counter. Yeah, search for its counter. Yeah, I, it's it's just a good card, and it's really just it's just really nice to have good powerful cards in standard. Mm-hmm. I guess we've got to hope that the uh, the rest of the Orzhov cards are, are powerful enough to to allow that to see play. Yeah, but I can't imagine uh, a standard format where Mortify exists and isn't at least cyborg playable. Yeah, for sure. It will definitely see a lot of play in its time in standard. Yeah, I think so. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about that card. 
Uh, yeah, it, the... it, it's just good, and I'm very, mm -hmm. very happy it's getting a reprint. Absolutely, and also the new art is uh, very nice. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Big fan, big fan. Yeah, Rick's Mardu Reveler. It's one mm -hmm. and a red for a human shaman. It's a two-two. Uh, when it has, uh, it has spectacle. So that is the new Rakdos mechanic, uh, which is a two black red. Uh, you may cast a spell for its spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent lost life this turn. And it says when uh, Rixmardi Reveler enters the battlefield, discard a card, then draw a card. Uh, if its spectacle cost was paid, instead discard your hand, then draw three cards. So this card's interesting. Um, spectacle seems like a sweet mechanic. Yeah, I, I like it. It's it, It's kind of just putting a mechanic on uh, on the old Rakdos Slaughter Riots card from Return to Ravnica, mm -hmm. where yeah. you couldn't cast um, it unless the opponent had lost life that turn. Yeah, and I guess we get we get to see the, the sort of... Um, the typical way that Wizards design these kind of cards, where, like, some of them will have a reduced spectacle cost, yeah. which will just make the card cheaper, um, and some of them will have an increased spectacle cost, where you just get to, you get more value for, for your card. Yeah, absolutely. Right, this one. I have no idea whether this is playable. <laughs> I think, I, I think quite... it's going to be sick and limited. Absolutely. Well, yes. Yeah. That, uh, that is very reasonable. Again, like I think it depends because we don't really have currently decks that these kind of cards can fit into. Obviously, because they're the the, the currently unsupported guilds. Yeah. Um, outside of Azorius cards, which are definitely going to be playable because the fairies and standard. Um, yeah, like it's it's hard to evaluate whether these cards are particularly good. But this, I mean, this seems. I mean, it's a cool card design, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of like it feels like it's somewhere in between, like. Um, Bedlam Reveler and Abbot of Carol Keep. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable, um, a reasonable comparison. Yeah, somewhere in between, in between those two, uh, and yeah, I think sure it's it probably doesn't really look kind of good enough for standard, like on the face of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think in in draft and probably sealed as well, it's it's gonna it's gonna really outperform. I think that's where you're gonna get the most of that spectacle cost. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah. Sweet. We cast that as like the last card in your hand, and then draw three cards. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's what um, what Red Black Aggro decks want to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Mm -hmm. Cool. So up next we have Rakdos Firewheeler. That is black, black, red, red for a human rogue. It's a four-three. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, it deals two damage to target opponent and two damage to up to one target creature or planeswalker. So this is the continuation of the, uh, the sort of double color, double color cards. Yeah. Um, seems interesting. Very difficult to cast. Uh, is it? No, it's Ragnos. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one joke you're getting for this for this show. <laughs> um, That's the thing. I think like so pre guilds of Ravnica. You know, mm -hmm. we're looking at all all these cards, and it's like, well. Okay, yeah, this is going to be too hard to cast. This isn't going to be playable. But like, Niv Mizzet's kind of just proven it all wrong. Like, I suppose if, that's true. In in this standard format, like if it looks uncastable like that, chances are it might actually just be castable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, like I I agree, but there is a point that like Niv Mizzet's being played in like sort of vaguely slow control decks. Yeah, for sure. That are trying to like slow slow the game down, so you you get to a point where you're able to cast that card. Yeah. Whereas like this Rados card you kind of want to cast it on turn four or not at all yeah so I guess there's there's that to that to think about and I'm not sure like a four mana card 
in your what I assume is going to be a Rakdos aggro deck yeah. is really where you want to be yeah um, I, I agree but, with you there I think like I, I don't know like could it be a sideboard card maybe possibly like as, as, as removal I guess yeah um, I don't think it does much that Goblin Chainwiller doesn't already do yeah for sure um, I mean, are there, are there many creatures with two toughness that you don't want to kill? That you want to kill over, like, one toughness creatures? Uh, no, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. But also, does that two damage for Planeswalker? That's true. You can kill it to vary, I guess. Yeah. If it's low enough. It's interesting. Um, we'll have to we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, I, yeah. like, I think you get, you get some good value. Like, again, it's probably going to be really cool in Limited. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a reason to be in Rakdos, I think, yeah, when you're drafting. Because, like, yeah, four mana for 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 four three is like, meh, that's, that's fine anyway, like in limited. Mm-hmm. But then, like, two damage to an opponent and two damage to a creature or planeswalker as well. Seems pretty yep. aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm liking it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, of course you like it. <laughs> yeah, <true>. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like. You mainly love this set because you identify with that rare with Rakdos and play almost exclusively Azorius. So yeah. <laughs> this is like your set. So yeah, I am so looking forward to this set. Oh, I am yeah. not surprised. I'm really, 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 really looking forward to just just jamming some Rakdos creatures. I think, to be honest, like I hope, I really hope the guild's good enough to play. I'm sure it will be. Well, I'm sure you'll manage to do it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> regardless of whether it's playable or not. Cool. So we got some more Rakdos cards up next. We've got mm-hmm. Light Up the Stage, that is two and a red for a sorcery, or Spectacle, which is red. Uh, exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. Yes, yeah, so this is um, the sort of red draw, right? Like the, the yeah, way the red draws sure. cards. You can exile them and you can play them um, in that particular instance. I think it's... Oh, I don't know. It seems like the kind of card where I say it's crap because it looks crap, <laughs> and then like a month down the line, it's like the best card in the mono red deck. Yeah, I, I think this is the best kind of, probably the best kind of like that effect we've we've had. Like, like impulsive draw, even yeah. ever. Like, exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. Like that's pretty good, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's. I'm not, I'm not sure it's just it's not just worse than um experimental frenzy i mean quite possibly but mm, yeah i'm not I sure I think, like i think I'm, like I'm obviously not... like best case scenario feels like you're gonna draw like you're gonna exile like i don't know like two removal spells or something and you're gonna be able to just you know get your opponent on their turn or something or i don't know yeah, it's possible. I think there's also there's also a worry that you'll be constrained on mana. Yeah. Um, with a card in that you'll um. So you'll the three, three mana is going to be difficult to to deal with. I think with when you're trying to play an aggressive deck, which is obviously what this wants to be, because yeah. um, cards with spectacle need to be aggressive. Yeah. Um, and then also the fact that you, you'll have to deal damage before you cast the the one, like the, before you cast it for one. Yeah, which I don't think is going to be too poss- too difficult in a, in a you know, mono red deck or a red black deck or even red mm-hmm. white deck, to be honest. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm not sure. It, like, it currently makes the cut because it. I think, experimental frenzy being your sort of, um, your like top end. Yeah. It is the way that you want to accrue, um, card advantage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I so, I agree with that. Like, 
as standard looks currently, like yeah, definitely. But I think you know when we see more cards from this set, like if there is a, a, a Rakdos deck, like I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if if this made the cut in, in that deck. I just I just think that these type of effects, it's usually like exile this, play it till the end of your turn, and like until the end of this turn, you may play that card. Whereas mm-hmm. this time it being until the end of your next turn, I think. So you can hold up burn spells and yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's got a a lot more a lot more reach than would you know would appear. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that the mono red deck wants um, cards at either one or three mana that don't just make your opponent dead. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I think if like if you're playing mono red, like you probably just want risk factor over this like mm-hmm. any day of the week. But I think if you're playing. Maybe a Rakdos deck can play this, or like maybe even an Izzet deck could play this. To be honest, just to get some some card draw. I mean, there's, yeah, there's card some... draw counter spells or something. Or I, I think I, mean, I think it's interesting. Potentially interesting um, uh, applications for re- rekindling, not rekindling Phoenix, Arclight Phoenix. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and those kind of decks because you want to cast cheap spells, but I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, I'll well, see. I, I currently I'm thinking that it's not good enough. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that probably is going to be the case that it's not good enough, but I, I mm-hmm. think it is certainly certainly interesting, and I, I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about this set. Like the cards that we have seen so far are they all either seem powerful or interesting, and I, yeah. I feel like that's that's kind of been lacking from standard for for quite a while. Just interesting cards that do interesting things, and I think with the meta so wide open currently, like. It's at that point where you know almost anything like feels possible, like if you can figure out the right combination of cards. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think you know we'll see. We'll see. It's certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. So last up, we have our last of the Rakdos cards. That is Rafter Demon. That is two black red for a creature. It's a demon. It's a four-two, or it has Spectacle three black red. Uh, when Rafter Demon enters the battlefield, if its Spectacle cost was paid, each opponent discards a card. Uh, I don't think this is particularly good. Yeah, agreed. I, I think it's probably just going to be uh, you know, a bit of a fine, limited staple for the Rakdos deck. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, like you said, like, it's it's a weird... Because obviously the this, this spectacle uh, mechanic wants you to deal damage to your opponent and wants you to play an aggressive deck. Yeah. Uh, and this wants you to sort of outvalue your opponent and get card advantage. And while playing cards to make your opponent's discard is... Uh, powerful. I don't think it, in combination with a sort of aggressive spectacle deck, it's going to be particularly useful. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's certainly a cool card. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fine. Like, it's going to be one of those like C C plus level draft cards. I don't think it's yeah, going to stand to play all at all. But you know, I'm looking forward to opening. You know, hopefully, two in a in a pre release deck. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be sweet. Yeah. How good would a spectacle be if Walking Ballista was still in the format? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably oh, too good. Yeah. Pretty good. I think, yeah, I think that would be like too powerful. But um, yeah, spectacle's a very interesting mechanic and I'm sort of excited to see where else they take it. Yeah, same. Cool. So we also have a couple of Simic cards previewed as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first up we have Simic Ascendancy. Is mm-hmm. green-blue for an enchantment. Uh, you pay one green-blue put a plus one plus one counter and target a creature you control. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on a creature you control, put that many growth counters on Simic Ascendancy. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Simic Ascendancy has 20 or more growth counters on it, you win the game. 
So they've managed to design the most Simic card possible. Yeah. Um, it says uh, one or more, right? So it's each, each, in, each instance of putting counters on your opponents that it gets a growth counter, right? Yes, yeah. Sure. So there's no way to just like completely break it. Um, um, not in standard, surely. Yeah, I mean, Commander, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this card probably isn't playable, but it's very cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I think, like, uh, very, like, I, I really like alternative win conditions. Like, I think they're mm-hmm. really cool. They're, they're one of the more exciting parts of, like, of, of like, magic for me. Like, uh, you know, I played, uh, I played Approach to the Second Zone. I thought that was sweet. I uh, really enjoyed that deck. Uh, I didn't play the, the Battle for Zendikar Exodia one. Have a was it Hedron alignment? Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, like, I didn't play that one, but I thought I like it's it's cool. Like it's a really you know, cool, interesting idea. I feel like very rarely are they like actually good enough to be playable, and I don't yeah, think it's... this one is good enough. No, I mean it's just it's just the 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 weird sort of um, duality of the card in that you're in order to put growth counters on it so that you win the game through this. Alternative means you have to put plus one plus one counters on, on your creatures, yep. which suggests that you're beating face with your creatures. Yeah. So why are you bothering attacking your opponent and putting them to five when you're just going to win with this enchantment? Yeah, for sure. It's 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 one of those cards I think would be really cool if like like if Frontier was still a thing, like mm-hmm. playing this in a deck with like Hardened Scales, Walking Blister, Winding Constrictor, and Rishkar seems pretty cool. Sure. And like um, have like the green gear hulk be like at your top end. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, a, I think it's it's a card that's gone. It's more for flavor than it is for for practicality or playability. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree there definitely. It's going to be sweet and limited though. Yeah, like maybe maybe someone somewhere in the world will will get the win. Uh, that way, I mean, just, even then, like I don't know. I mean, three mana plus plus, plus one plus one counter and target creature control is pretty good. Like that's that's decent on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's 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 too weak for standard. Yeah, definitely. But, um, absolutely going to be great and limited. I think, Sweet. and a card that will uh, definitely pull you into those colors. Yeah, maybe someone will break it. I would be incredibly surprised. Though. Yeah, cool. So up next, the most exciting Simic card, I think. Mm-hmm. Growth spiral. Yeah, it's called Sweet. Green, blue for an instant. Draw a card. Already very good. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Yeah, so it's just instant speed explore, right? Yeah, for sure. So there's different, like, obviously explore, you can play the land at any point during your turn. So yeah. you, you don't have to... Um, so with explore, you can, like, draw the card and then play a land later once you've already drawn other cards. But this card requires you to have the land in hand as you cast it or draw it specifically off this card. Yeah. But other than that, that's it's very interesting. I think it's certainly going to have some applications. I think in Amulet Titan. Yeah, definitely. For one, because you can just cast it off some Grove Chamber, um, and that that, that thing is already already playing Explore, obviously. And I think this is slightly in that that deck in particular, because obviously you're playing some of your lands, so the chance of you already having a land or drawing a land are very high. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it will probably have applications in that deck. Which is very exciting. Just having it instant speed is really, really interesting. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely the most interesting thing about the card. I think. Um, I think like, yeah, like for me, I think one of the things I was pretty. I mean, obviously, it's very, very magical, like magical Christmas land. But like, mm-hmm. 
Just imagine like cascading into that from a shardless agent. <laughs> drawing like a force of will and putting a wasteland into play, like mm-hmm. seems pretty sick. Yeah, I sure. That would be that would be good. Yeah, it's I don't think anyone will ever do that. Tis the season, right? Yeah, I mean once once this card makes its way into the uh, legacy cube, sure. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's, like, uh, it's just one of those cards that, like, it looks really interesting. It looks like it's one of those mm-hmm. cards where somebody who is a much better Magic player than myself or anybody I know will figure out how to break it, and then, like, you know, tro- Tropical Island will double in price. Yeah, that's the thing. We, we can, like, sort of look at the, the applications we currently have, like decks that currently play Explore that have access to Blue Mana will obviously... I'm not saying... I don't want to say obviously, because, I mean, it, there there is a constraint on the mana. Like, it is going to be harder to yeah. cast, obviously. But it's almost certainly playable somewhere. Yeah, like uh, beginner of your upkeep, growth spiral, put a tabernacle into play. <laughs> <laughs> you were just thinking about the de- the, like, the degenerate eternal formats. Yeah, of course. Sure. It's blue put a draw card. Like, what else am I going to think about? <laughs> oh, you can pitch it to force of it. It's so good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to like, like you said, like there's probably someone someone out there that will break it. Yeah. And do things that we couldn't have possibly thought of. Yeah, for sure. But it's certainly a card to watch. Also, you said that the most interesting thing about this card, I mean, that's certainly the art, right? The art is beautiful. Yeah, Seth McKinnon continues to crush it, yeah. unsurprisingly. The art's incredible. It's my favourite thing about this card, like, by, by far. I mean, if this card turned out to not be playable in some kind of weird twist of fate, I'd definitely pick up some foil copies just because they're really nice to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's. it's just... It is just, it just lush, like it's just absolutely lush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like probably look really nice in Russian. Okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think, I... yeah, I feel like like I get a good a good Russian vibe from the the Ravnica cards. <laughs> good Russian vibe. <laughs> <laughs> that is a strange sentence. <laughs> um, or if, yeah, yeah, like because I mean... like, they don't print it in any of like the Scandinavian languages, so like mm-hmm. I think it would be cool to like if you could get in like. I don't know, like Norwegian, because you've got like these little like mushroom houses and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, in before I buy up Magic Card Market of all the foil Japanese copies. Yeah. And never play them and just put them in my binder to look at. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. So we've got uh, one more card to talk about, I guess, that have been has been previewed today. Mm-hmm. And that is the ever so exciting exclusive buyer box promo. Oh yeah, is it uh, busted and going to be worth sixty dollars? It's a six mana three three. So no, <laughs> <laughs> objectively no. not. So we've got uh, yeah, we have the haunt of high tower. It is uh, six mana, so it's four two black for a legendary creature vampire. It's a three three flying life link. Uh, whenever haunt of high tower attacks, defending player discards a card. Whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, put a plus one plus one counter on the haunt of high tower. Oof, this card is not good. No, like if it cost like if it cost two mana less, it would probably be like pretty good. Mm-hmm. If it cost like three mana less, it would be like very, very, very playable. Mm-hmm. I mean, As it stands, but... it's just like it's it's never going to see any play anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I was saying this to you before we're recording, but I mean, there has never been a truer statement than if this six mana card costs four mana it would be better <laughs> yes yeah absolutely <laughs> that, that is definitely true um i think my, my favorite thing about this card is like it's really um it really reminds me of like original ravnica yeah yeah 
I think it was something that was missing from like Return to Ravnica block. This seems like a very I can just sort of see it with a guild packed um, set symbol. It's definitely a, like a cool sort of throwback, I guess, to original Ravnica. Yeah, definitely. I definitely, definitely feel that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wish like I, I don't know. As I say, like, I, I wish it was like far more aggressively costed, but then we'd have the whole Nexus of Eight problem again. So no, it's it's fine the way it is. Mm-hmm. We, we all know how expensive Nexus of Eight is now. Yeah, it's literally the most expensive card in standard, Joe. <laughs> There are literally no more expensive cards in standard than the uh, Nexus of Fate. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'll fight you about that. No you comment. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the safest, uh, the safest response to that. For sure, for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Th- like, I, I wish this card had just been like if I had designed this card, uh, and made it like not an exclusive Biobox promo, I would have it cost like, like one black black for like. Yeah, one black black for a 2-2 flying lifelink and then give it the abilities. Keeping mm-hmm. it as a legendary creature I think would be pretty cool. Some kind of like new fancy take on Hypnotic Spectre. Sure, yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah. I mean, if I if I designed this card, it would be it would cost a green and a white. <laughs> and it would be a 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> and uh, some other nonsense about Celestia. Um Yeah, this card's very, very bad. Yeah, it's... I think it's cool, but it sucks. So... Yeah, I, I think the art is the best thing about it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's strange because I think you're right. Like it does kind of feel very, very like original Ravnica, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I do kind of feel like I'm getting some slight like Etherborn vibe from it as well. I'm not sure if it's like the color palette they've used, but possibly. Yeah, it looks a bit like it could just be some sort of like Etherborn harpy. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it would it would be the creature type Etherborn, though, wouldn't it? It would. Which it is not. Nope. It does look very Etherborn, though. Yeah, it does. I, th- I think I think it is just like just the color palette they've used, and like the I think it's just the, uh, like the, the sort of glowy, raggedy clothing. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like um, the glowy mouth. Like yeah. it's got um, uh, Aether. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they're very, the. The preview cards we've had so far, which like I think they're all pretty cool. Like these are all promos in one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that be uh, store championship promos or Ravnica weekend promos, uh, draft weekend promos, open house promos, F and M promos, or your good old exclusive buy a box promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have also had a couple of other interesting things confirmed as well now. Yeah. So we've seen the obviously the booster pack art, and we've also seen the planeswalker deck art as well. Yes. So we have finally confirmed, officially confirmed, the three planeswalkers that will be making appearance in this set are Kaya, Domri, and Dovan Barn. Mm-hmm. When did we call this? Uh, I mean, I called Dovan Barn when one of the uh, one of the developers let accidentally let it slip on a stream. But, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. They actually like, said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's I think that's when like Dovan Barn suddenly. Started, the name Dovermon started popping up in, in regards to Ravnica Allegiance or whatever the, the set after that would be. Well, don't. Know, one of the developers said it on 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 the one of the weekly MTG streams, and everyone, everyone, like all ten people that were watching it, got quite excited. <laughs> <laughs> and then nothing was mentioned about it again, ever again, because it was clearly a mistake. I mean, you can't you can't say that because then we don't seem really really smart for having called it. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, these are like the, the bolus aligned planeswalkers, right? Yeah, at least like we assume we assume so from what we we know so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see what Domri does. I'm very excited to see what Dovin does. I'm very excited to see how much they're going to nerf uh, Dovin. <laughs> I think there's a version of Dovin Barn, uh, whatever, whatever his actual name will be, uh, that is really, really good. And then there's a version that we'll, we'll, we will have printed now that they've seen how good Teferi is. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are two, two Dovin Barns, and one of them uh, would have been too good. Yeah. Because I... when they decided that Teferi wasn't one of the most played cards in standard. Yeah, I, I think so. I think either. One like one or two things like Dovin Barn will probably just be completely unplayable. Mm-hmm. It'll have like the you know the Jayabalo treatment, uh, which is a shame because the original Dovin was also completely unplayable. So yeah, yeah, I I thought it was a again like I thought it was like a really cool card, like a really interesting, nice, you know, fairly fair planeswalker, but it just was not good mm-hmm. enough. I mean, it's it's. I thought it was mainly cool that we got a Vodolkin planeswalker. Yeah, definitely, it was pretty sweet, but it wasn't like turn four Emra cool, so you know. <laughs> wasn't, that good is wasn't good enough. Uh, yeah, I like how mainly with my card evaluations, my favorite thing is the law or the flavor. Yeah, that's what I'm here for: bad financial decisions and uh, law and flavor. I mean, my favorite thing is usually like, is it blue? And yes, that's the. That's a good card. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. None of these cards. I'm I'm certainly less interested in this set because the Celestia have already been been done. Yeah. So, so I, what I think, I... Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's one of the things that's pulling me. Pulling my hype meter right up is definitely the all the sweet Your two favorite cards. guilds. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I'm not particularly attached to any guild in the set, if I'm honest. Yeah, I quite like Rakdos for me. Like, uh, I I really like Dovenban as a character, so it's cool to see that. And like, I assume there'll be some Azorius cards that I'm interested in. But like, as a guild, like, I don't really care for the Azorius. I mean, you play blue white. Yeah, <laughs> I know, like I'll play blue white, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm excited to to see what's going on with with Darmory. I'm mainly excited to read his story. Yeah, little punk kid. Yeah, with his mohawk and his stretches. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to see some some nice nice big boars or rubble hulks or you know something interesting at least. Can't get better than Impervious Great Worm. Even Slezen, you've got that covered. Yeah, I mean it's bigger than Emrakul, isn't it? Exactly. So you can't <laughs> can't get bigger or better than that. <laughs> Literally bigger than Emrakul. <laughs> what would we a horrible being for one the point tentacle of monster or one wormy boy? One wormy boy, yeah. always, always. <laughs> awesome, cool. So yeah, I am really, really looking forward to this set. Mm-hmm. Another thing I am really looking forward to is the return of Vintage Cube next week. Oh yeah, I forgot the Vintage Cube. Holiday Cube. Yeah, oh, yeah, Holiday Cube. I guess as it is, oh, it's called now. That's yeah, something I... I'm really excited about. Um, I like recently started like dipping my toe into streaming uh, so oh, I've been yeah. doing this like I think I've mentioned it previously like a, a group of us are doing like an, like an arena league mm-hmm. uh, so we've been streaming our games you know, just to just to each other um, for that and I, th- I think I'm definitely going to give it a go for Vintage Cube or Holiday Cube and uh, stream some games of that sweet so that is something I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing next week are you planning to release that to the public or just your close personal friends? Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to release that out open to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing which is released, I guess, yeah, open to the public, uh, we mentioned mm-hmm. it briefly last week, uh, we're now on Patreon. Mm-hmm. So it is patreon.com slash 
Hour of Devastation. That's all one word. Uh, if yeah, like if you want to give us a, a dollar per episode. Uh, sorry, a dollar a month, a dollar per episode. God, <laughs> if you want to <laughs> give us a dollar per month, uh, you get like access to the Patreon feed where I'll be posting like stream videos. I'll be posting like uh, like deck decks, extra content, just like hopefully some interesting things there. Uh, Names. You know, you'll have you'll have our, our eternal thanks. Like, see, we don't, you know, we do this without really kind of like asking or kind of wanting anything in return for it. It's just really cool Absolutely. to be able to like put our voices out there and sort of voice our opinions. But if you if mm-hmm. you you know if you do feel like you would like to give back in any way, we are on Patreon, so that is now an option. A few mm-hmm. different goals on there. I think we, we covered them last week. But just yep. yeah, patreon.com slash arrow devastation if you want to go check that out. Yeah, uh so last week you mentioned the uh, the super special tier. Yeah, yeah. That that you wouldn't mention on the on the cast. And I didn't know it until I actually went and looked. Uh and now I've seen it. And uh, I just want you to know that I've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> I just want, want you to know that fact. I think it's very important that you know that. Yeah, and I'm a big fan. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, again, if you want to go check that out, head over to Patreon.com/slash Hour Devastation. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, have I said agree. the URL enough times yet. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> you said it twice. That's enough. Sweet, sweet. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. So yeah, I think one final thing before we we wrap up this week's episode, we had some pretty interesting news about Arena um, from the the big announcement on the seventh of December. Uh, we had some interesting information about competitive magic in general, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. So so things are what, the Pro Tour doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, pretty much. So the. That whole thing of a few weeks ago, where we uh, announced that there was going to be like a, like an extra pro tour, sorry, two extra pro tours, uh, mm-hmm. they've now kind of gone back on that, and we're only going to have four pro tours now. Mm-hmm. Uh, those pro tours are no longer called pro tours; they are now called uh, tabletop mythic challenges. Is that the actual name? That is the actual name. Jesus. But they are also going to be arena mythic challenges as well mm-hmm. which are essentially going to be pro tour equivalents but they'll be taking place on arena <clears throat> yep it's uh it it definitely definitely seems like arena is going to be the sort of the premier the premier play for or at least like the push for the premier play for, for magic going forward yeah so i mean i'm gonna uh quickly voice my opinions sure uh, i mean when i say quickly <laughs> um <laughs> try, try and be as succinct as i can um so first of all, the name's crap. Let's that's obvious. Um, it's nearly as bad as Magic Fest. Worse yeah. than Magic Fest. Sorry, is it worse than Magic Fest or better than Magic Fest? Uh, I think it's. I mean, it's certainly more of a mouthful. Mouthful. I, I think it. I think it's worse than Magic Fest just because, just because of what the Pro Tour is and like the history of the Pro Tour, mm. and the fact that it's kind of like just you know getting rid of like over twenty years of history. Yep. Isn't great. We need to compete with Hearthstone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's that. Also, so um, they've gone back on the on the six Pro Tours we were promised. Yeah. There's now five. No, sorry, four. Um, what would be Pro Tours, but they now have a, a different name. Um, we don't really know what's going on with those. Um, in true Watsy fashion, they haven't given us all the information. Yeah. So there's a a, a top thirty two Pro League thing. We don't know how you qualify for that. Um, it seems to just be 
people picked at random from well-known magic names. So the the top the top thirty-two that's been announced so far were the the leaders of the uh, was the top thirty-two pro point leaders for last season. Despite the fact that. Uh, with the exception of uh, Andrew Bickstrom, who had declined, uh, had declined the invitation to be in the top thirty-two because it messed with his work schedule. Obviously, he works for Direwolf Games, so I'm not sure how. Mm-hmm. Maybe there were some contractual issues there. Yep. Um, uh, and who else? Somebody else. Uh, I think it was Calvin Chu. Did he decline it as well? Uh, I don't know. It's been as who. I think Calvin, yeah, Calvin Tudor has declined it as well. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if we know why. Um, uh, does he then, work for Harry Yuya? So yeah. Maybe, maybe again, there's because the way the way the top thirty two works is they get paid by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. To be Magic players, essentially. Yeah, so yeah, you, you get a seventy five thousand dollar contract for a year, which mm-hmm. is absolutely fantastic. Like that's that is great and an absolute step in the right direction for. Mm-hmm the best of the best high-level competitive magic players. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it's so... I just find I find it strange that these these people were chosen based on who was who had the most pro points, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're now doing away with pro points. Yeah. Seems like a confusing decision. It, yeah, it is. I mean, they did say in their original announcement that obviously 2019 was going to be a, a big sort of transitional year for the... how... I guess how Premier play works for Magic, how all sort of competitive play works for Magic, really. Mm-hmm. And, like, this pretty much is that. It's like, well, here's here's the 32 pro point leaders. These people are going to be the, the first 32 players in the Mythic League. Uh, but we're going to get rid of pro points. They haven't announced how you stay in that league. Like, I assume it's going to be like. You know, like, like I guess, like, I'm not sure how it works in other esports, but I assume it'll be like, you know, regular sports leagues where you have like relegations and players will move up and down in leagues and stuff. And there, there needs to be way, ways for players to, you know, break into into that league. Yeah, I guess we're going to find out more. Once again, they've sort of made a half announcement where we don't actually know all the details yeah. or when the rest of the details are going to be um, going to be released. Which is infuriating, but um, yeah, I guess my, my other my other gripe with it is so you can qualify for for Mythic Championships with um, on Arena, yes, right, which is almost certainly a good thing. Mm-hmm. But how do you get there? Because at the moment the ladder on Arena doesn't really exist. You can sort of climb a ladder to nothing, and we don't really know anything about qualification. It's also impossible to play best of three matches against people to test. Yeah. Um, so, what are you just meant to grind best of one matches, or are you meant to like grind against random people um, against the random arena meta in order to become the best at Magic? Like that doesn't seem particularly feasible. It's it's very odd. That's my, my biggest problem with arena at the moment is that best of one is being pushed as the you know the the way to play Magic essentially. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got the so from the uh, the most recent update on the thirteenth, like they've completely overhauled the ranking system. It yep. now actually is a ranking system, which is pretty cool. Like it seems yep. to work pretty well. Uh, I do think the rewards are pretty terrible. Yep. Uh, I don't like that for obtaining like mythic 
rank. So essentially for being like, I think it works out like something like a thousand, like the top one thousand players mm-hmm. will be will be the only ones to achieve like like the mythic rank, like the way it kind of works with the ranking system. Uh, so yep. the reward the reward you get at the end of the season for achieving the mythic rank is uh, five booster packs of Guild of Ravnica and one thousand gold. Wow, which is like it's not enough to do a draft. Jesus, that's that's nothing. It's like yeah, it's it's pretty terrible to be honest. Like I mean, you know, fair enough. Like it's just it's a reward for playing a free to play game, but for you know rewarding the best one thousand out of the you know thirty five million unique players that you claim to have, like mm-hmm. a thousand gold and five boosters just, just doesn't seem like anything. No, it seems like a bit of a slap in the face. Yeah, to be I, I would agree there. Yeah. Also, I find it. I, find, I still find it particularly strange that they're making all these announcements. You know, you can qualify for the equivalent of the Pro Tour on Arena, and this is the way you can do it. And you know, the highest level play will be on Arena, and the game's still in beta. Yeah, it's right? uh, it's like, not now. Oh, is it not? Is no, it no, officially it's, not? It's, no, it's it's. I think it's like. I think they're classing this as preseason. So, like, as of the update on the thirteenth, um, they've completely over, they've completely overhauled the ranking systems for limited and for. Uh, uh, for constructed, uh, and okay. there are now obviously you get rewards at the end of seasons now. So we're going into pre-season. So I think it's, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's classed as being in beta anymore. But it still feels well, like it is a bit of a beta with this being like the, the pre-season or whatever. I mean, the fact that we don't know, right? Yeah, it's should have been like that. That's the other big issue with it. Like we, we just don't know. We it just don't know. They're not very clear. They just haven't really been as sort of transparent with anything regarding Arena, to be honest. Like, that's one of the things, um, I think Saffron Olive put out a really good uh, article about this 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 week, about, like, you know, like, kind of just saying, like, do do what you want for Arena, but just, just be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Like, the, obviously, Wizards of the Coast came out uh, a couple of years ago, like, after they... After they made some some quite big mistakes and just kind of said, you know, hey, we're going to be more kind of clear and honest with the community, like, kind of going forward, we want to be more transparent in our communications, but there just hasn't been the case with Arena at all in the slightest. No, I know what you mean. It's um, it's just just I, I don't understand why they won't just be clear. Like, they won't give us all the information. Yeah. They're making all these exciting announcements, but then giving us half the story, so we can't really get excited. We're just sort of worried about what's going on. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll have to see what happens with the the actual announcement. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I, I think like maybe in the next coming weeks we'll we'll do a bit of a, a proper episode on like Arena now. It's properly live and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, update, update our feelings on it properly. But it's yep. uh, yeah, I, I have to have some strong feelings about it still. Yeah, me too. Me too. Cool. We'll save that for another day. I think that's pretty much all we have time for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, hit us up on our social media. We are facebook.com slash hrefdcast. On Twitter, we are at hrefdcast, or we are at just hrefdcast.com. Uh, there will be content on that website updated eventually, I swear. <laughs> Uh, or just hit us from our, our personal social media. I am Joe Loudon on Facebook. You'll find me on most, if not all, of the Magic the Gathering groups. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at Peach Garden Oaf. That is Oaf with an F. 
Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at Snail69. Nice. Thank you for not waiting, making me sweat at this time. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, please don't talk to me on Facebook. <laughs> I think I'm making that my policy now. Um, sure. But yeah, yeah I mean, like please, please get in touch. Like if you if you were at the GP, like let us know. Like how was it for you? Like what are your thoughts on Arena? Are you super hyped for Ravnica Allegiance? Are there any mm-hmm. like really cool magic related Christmas presents that you are hoping for this year? Hit us up, get in touch, engage. We want to know. Uh, once again, so, if you do want to give anything back, mm-hmm. it is patreon.com slash hour of devastation. Right. Speaking of Christmas. Yeah. So we record on a Monday. Yeah. Yes. To to release on a Wednesday. Yes. T- typically. Yeah. Uh, the, the next Monday that we would be scheduled to record is uh, actually Christmas Eve. It is, yeah. To then be released on Boxing Day, which would require you editing on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, <laughs> so are we are we doing an episode next week? I just want to make just want to clarify that. Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll have an episode. We'll we'll see what we'll see what we can. Uh... A festive episode. What we can we can wriggle about, yeah. You're gonna spend your Christmas day editing the podcast. Nah. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll record slightly early on the weekend or like I'll yeah. figure out something. But we will we will we will have some hopefully awesome content for you next week. Release on Christmas day. There yeah. we go. There we go. A nice Christmas present from us to you. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> awesome. So, speaking of presents. Uh, mm-hmm. The God Pharaoh has, will be blessing us with his presence once again as we approach the second hour. <laughs> oh dear God. <laughs> the God Pharaoh has returned. We'll see you again next week on a special Christmas edition of Our Devastation. Bye.